Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Daniel chapter number 10 this evening. For, for the past three weeks, we spent on four verses, and I'm going to get through 21 tonight. I tell you what, you just never know what's going to happen, do you? Just never know what's going to happen. I was looking today, and this is lesson 21 in our series. It's part number 15, uh, but I've divided some of those parts into letters as well, you know. But this is lesson 21 in our series here tonight on the book of Daniel. Starting with verse number 12, we will... Uh, pretty, way, pretty well survey this whole chapter, but just to kind of give us a little bit of a setting here for where we are in the chapter, Daniel 10 and verse number 12. The Bible says, Then said he unto me, this is, a, this is an angelic visitation that Daniel's having. It's not uncommon. We've known through here scriptures. This is the angel speaking. He said unto me, that is Daniel, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard. And I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days, which is basically twenty-one days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days. For yet the vision is for many days. Uh, Tonight I want to teach this subject matter. What you don't know can hurt you. What you don't know can hurt you. All right? We ask God to touch us one more time in this place, Father. God, I need you tonight. We need you, Lord, in this place. Lighten our hearts, God, and our minds. Pray, O Lord, help us to lean in, God, with understanding, God, so you would help us, God, with your word this evening, God, as we've been going through this series. I pray, O Lord, you administer, Lord, to every soul, every heart. God, set in the sound of my voice. Help me, Lord, to, God, convey this in a manner, God, that can be understood. Lord, I pray, Jesus, each and every hearer under the sound of my voice will thank you and praise you for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, we pray. The church say amen. 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 You may be seated. Amen. To your pleasure, there is no board out here. So there might not be anything too difficult that we'll have to wrap our minds around that's going to cause me to draw some rude pictures of animals or horns or anything of that nature. But we're going on in Daniel, and it's been a journey and a half as he has built upon his learning and understanding that he has received from each of these different visions that uh, he has, has, has had. And chapter number 11, I think I made, or 10 rather, I made mention of this last week. Chapter number 10 is basically like an introduction or like in a book what you might call a prologue to uh, chapter number 11 and somewhat of chapter number 12. Chapter number 11 will have the real meat of the vision and a little bit of chapter 12 and then chapter 12 will just kind of have some concluding remarks kind of like an epilogue in a book if you've ever uh, read one with a prologue and an epilogue and it's just just kind of concluding things and so uh, whenever we look at Daniel chapter number 10 and I would say that most scholars take 
uh, Daniel chapter 11 and verse number 1 and put it with Daniel number 10. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that uh, because in, again, the original manuscripts where we get all of this that's translated, there was no divisions of verses and chapters. It was just all one continuous thing. And so uh, that's fine, 100% fine. We'll explain a little later why uh, they may have done that. Uh, and group that with Daniel chapter number 10. But there are a couple of parts mainly to the vision that's going to unfold throughout the rest of this study uh, and bring us to conclusion. And the parts of the vision, as we've seen before, there can be the immediate future and then the distant future that happens with some of these prophecies. And we'll see that take place in this ending vision and in the prophecy. Uh, the immediate future of what's going to be spanned and looked at is some road that we've traveled before. But again, we're going to be hopefully learning some other things we haven't learned before, building upon things we already have learned before. Because from about Daniel 11, verse number 2, through about verse 35, we're going to be looking at that time frame uh, between King Darius and you'll remember this name and I will say it correctly now since I've learned how you say this Antiochus uh, Epiphanes uh, what I called Antiochus Epiphanes <laughs> but anyway uh, we'll, we'll be going through this again that time frame there's going to be some of it in the immediate future but then the distant future that will more or less uh, be concerning that last week of the 70 weeks or those last seven years that we know to be the tribulation period from about uh, Daniel chapter number 11 verse 36 on to Daniel 12 and verse number 4 that tribulation period and just to throw uh, you know our minds another little thing to wrap around whenever Jeremiah speaks of Jacob's trouble that's the tribulation period I know sometimes we got all these different you know you call somebody so many different names you wonder what the real name is don't you and uh, so we got you know, the tribulation period, Jacob's trouble, they are one and the same thing. If you think of it like this, Jacob's trouble, Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Israel's trouble or Israel's tribulation. Uh, it might help you remember that that's what that all refers to. And so then the rest of the chapter 12 will just be a conclusion of the revelation. And so throughout these verses, though, in chapter number 10, throughout the verses, man, Daniel is on a roller coaster ride. And you say, well, he's been on one for quite some time. But yeah, really, in verse number 10, or chapter number 10, rather, he is on a roller coaster ride because he's having a lot of encounters with uh, angelic beings, dialogue. He's talking back and forth uh, with them. And he's overwhelmed. Uh, I think anybody would be. Would be overwhelmed by the presence of these angels. I mean, that is not just an everyday occurrence. And, and he's overwhelmed by the messages that they are bringing to him. And, and he's experiencing times of, of weakness before them. Uh, the Bible speaks several times. He finds himself on the ground and he's weakened uh, by what he's learning. He's weakened by their presence, but the angels turn back around and they touch him and they strengthen him as, as he is needed. And on several occasions, we find Daniel very near fainting uh, almost here in the scripture on the ground. And interestingly, these visitations from the angelic host or the angelic beings uh, for Daniel, every time he falls down, it seems like it's promoting a sense of humility uh, for Daniel. And as some say, and I don't know, this is probably true in some instances, but maybe not all, it's according to what type of attitude it is with, but to boast of an angelic visitation, some have said, may reveal of not having one at all. Because through Daniel's own experiences, his visitations brought humility and not pride, not arrogance, not vainglory, but it brought humility. Amen. But no doubt that... 
that would be a lot for any one individual uh, to take in. And it certainly was uh, for Daniel. And not only was it just a lot for a human man to take in, these angelic visitations, but according to scholars, most uh, believe that Daniel was somewhere around the age of 90 years old at this time. So we're not talking about a young chicken. Uh, we're talking about someone that's well advanced in years, that's experiencing all of this, that these visions are being shared with. And for our more mature saints, what that says to the more mature saints is this, is that you are never too old to be used in the kingdom of God. Uh, Coming on the path, and I've served my years, done my time as though it was a prison sentence. (laughs) You're never too old to be used in the kingdom of God. Here is Daniel uh, coming up on 90 years old or in that vicinity, and he's seeing angels, God speaking to him and still giving direction for a whole nation of Israel uh, for what is to come about and happen. And the Bible says in in Daniel chapter 1, I know, reverse, chapter 1 and verse 21, the Bible said that Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. Whenever he's first brought in to Babylon and he's serving under Nebuchadnezzar, and it speaks that he begins that. He's went through the test. He's been asked some hard questions. He's been to, member uh, University of Babylon, UB or BU, whatever you want to call it. He's been there. He's learned. The Bible said then that he would continue into the first year of King Cyrus. So what we derive from this, the Bible opens up here in Daniel 10 that this is the third year of the reign of Cyrus and Daniel would continue into the first year it doesn't mean that he would die it just meant that his services in serving in some type of official capacity uh, to the king has already expired and so Daniel was still just in that area and in that vicinity as a prophet of God as a child of God a man that although he doesn't have an office per se serving in the Medo-Persian empire any longer that he still has a desire and a zeal for heavenly things and the things of God that never waned that never departed from him and so in his advanced years what do we see him doing in Daniel 10 something that he has done through his lifetime he's still praying very diligently and the Bible speaks and we understand that for three whole weeks he has been on a fast a partial fast amen and the revelation that's shared with us in the starting of this chapter again is during the third year of king cyrus so there's been several years from chapter nine amen several years that have transpired from them from the last chapter until now probably about four or five years that have transpired and so since this is the third year of cyrus's reign we understand from scripture from the book of ezra that it was during the first year of King Cyrus's reign that the decree would be made as it was prophesied by Jeremiah that King Cyrus would say, Jews, you can go back home and make a decree that there should be a temple rebuilt back at Jerusalem. So during the time that this last vision comes, there's already some Jews back at Jerusalem. They've already put their hand back to the work to try to reconstruct the temple. And so there's a lot of things that's going on right there. And so we understand in Scripture, the Bible says that Daniel has been mourning. He's mourning. Not only is he fasting and praying seemingly for these uh, three full weeks, the Scripture plainly says that he's been mourning, been weeping. He's been crying for three weeks. And no doubt some of the reasons why Daniel may have been mourning is because he's a little burdened with the idea that some of the Jews have went home. And since they've been home, according to Ezra, they've been met with some great difficulty in trying to rebuild the temple 
There's a lot of difficulties and oppositions that they're coming up against. Another reason why, perchance, that Daniel could be sorrowful of heart is because not more people then did go back. Not, not as many Jews as he had hoped went back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. So maybe his heart is somewhat crestfallen because there wasn't more Jews that returned and, and started to rebuild the temple. But when we start thinking all about this and look at Daniel chapter number 10, we realize that Daniel did not return to Jerusalem. The Bible speaks that whenever he receives this vision that he is meant by the angel and he is described by being in verse number four by the great river which is Hedekel. Some interpret Hedekel as the Tigris river, river. Others argue that it's the Euphrates River. I don't care if it's the Tigris or the Euphrates. What I'm coming down to is this. It's not in Jerusalem. <laughs> and so Daniel is not at uh, Jerusalem at this moment in time. And so why, why didn't Daniel go back? I mean, he's finished with his office of serving and this... Uh, absolutely is no biblical basis here this is just theory and thought uh, from uh, from my mind today uh, I believe that Daniel wasn't finished yet where he was uh, for God's people I don't believe he was quite finished where he was at presently and so he didn't take that journey back home I believe that God had him there to still yet be a, a great influence for the Jews that still remained under the Medo-Persian empire I believe that he could be a great blessing right where he was at now if you'll notice in verse number one Daniel makes a couple of statements couple of statements about what was revealed to him he said this was revealed unto him and he makes a couple of statements about it in the opening verse number one Daniel says concerning what was revealed to him that the thing was true and we we'll say well okay we'll take it at your word but uh, there's been more than one occasion that Daniel's brought forth a vision and he spoke very emphatically to us that this thing is true you know sometimes you have something to say that seems to be just so bizarre that you even preface things you're going to say. I want about right to tell you, this is the truth. This is God's truth. And, and, and you know it's true, but you, it's just so bizarre, just hard to wrap your mind around to even believe that it is. You just kind of preface it with that. Well, Daniel, you know, we, we've seen beasts and all kinds of things right here that's been kind of a little bizarre, uh, so to speak, that he's experienced. So he's just, he's just kind of setting us up. Hey, I know what, what's about right, what was revealed to me and what's going to be said. It may be really something to take in, but note well that this thing is true. He assures them of that. And the second thing, that he says about what was revealed to him. He says that the time appointed, he said, was long. But the time appointed was long. Now, this is where the King James translates it. But in the Hebrew, it's literally that the great army or the large army goes for battle, goes out to battle and to conflict for a long time. And that is what we see then, really, that unfolds in chapter number 11 in verse number 12, there will be enumerated there several battles. You'll see kings of the north and kings of the south. And there will be battles and warfare that goes on. Amen. Not just in the natural world, even as we see in this chapter, but in the supernatural world. And so there is going to be some long conflict. There are going to be some great wars that take place. Amen. And remember... In previous visions that Daniel had, there were times that the vision came and he's like, I don't have the slightest idea what this means. This, this is not oranges or apples to me. And he got answers from the angel Gabriel to help and interpret things for him. He had trouble with his understanding. 
But right from the go, whenever he says in verse number one that these things were revealed to him, he states to us very clearly that he understood the thing. He understood the thing and he had understanding of the vision. Now, listen, for you and I right now at this stage, I hope that we can say the same because, again, Daniel has just been one vision that's been built upon another vision. And they all overlap. They all are one stone upon another stone. And hopefully, since this isn't his first rodeo, so to speak, it isn't his first vision that's come concerning the kingdoms that's going to come up on the world. Perhaps he's getting a little better at understanding what's going on. And I hope <laughs> that we, by the time we're getting to this point, and there's going to be some similar things we're going to hit on before this is said and done, we'll have a little better understanding because we're not starting from ground zero now. We already got a little bit of a few weeks, 20 behind this uh, that we can lean upon and so he has a good foundation of all this that is prophecy in verses 2 and 3 are where the people uh, where people get what is called you've heard the idea of a Daniel fast this is where people get what is called the Daniel fast because he did mourn and fast uh, certain things for three whole weeks or 21 days the Bible says he didn't eat any pleasant bread meat or wine uh, people that do the Daniel fast take more than just that they take chapter number one where he abstained from the king's meats and that as well there's a lot that goes uh, into that uh, a lot of people use it for a diet and they call it a fast and they do it for themselves and they don't if, if the difference between a diet and a fast is this when you diet you do it for yourself when you fast you do it for God hands down hands down uh, you're not counting calories when you're fasting And you're, you're not necessarily trying to use something to bump off Lojo next door about uh, how, let's God, I missed three meals a day and lost three pounds and all that when you're fasting. And uh, you have a little thing that pops up, give them some encouragement. No, that's not happening. That's, that's not happening as you're fasting. So, uh, but, but that's the sum total. That's where people get the Daniel fast, those three weeks, those 21 days uh, for all that. And the Bible says he didn't anoint himself. He didn't anoint himself either. Uh, it was common in those days for a person to anoint themselves daily. They were exposed to the sweltering heat uh, of the desert. And uh, you know how your bodies are when they're exposed to sun for a long time. Your skin dries out. Uh, it can become cracked. And, it can be, and so oiling the body daily allowed that moisture and it helped protect it. And so they would do that daily as a protective measure from the intense sun. But they would also do it, thank God, they didn't have right guard, left guard, band degree, Gillette, none of those things. And so oil had a fragrance to it. And so it also... Uh, it, helped with the hygiene side it really allowed and I know this may be hilarious in a certain sense but uh, anointing their body every day allowed them to have fellowship <laughs> allowed them to have fellowship with other people it covered up the odor seriously now I've got a point really in this seriously um, for instance anytime in scripture you see a person that's going through mourning or sorrow that experienced a death in their family a lot of times along with that they would not anoint themselves. You see that in Scripture. Whenever they went, went and suffered a death in the family or, or, or there was some type of period of mourning or, or sorrow, they would not anoint themselves. And I think there is a purpose in that. I don't anoint myself. You know, it's at those times of life, sometimes we'd like to push people at arm's distance. <laughs> 
Everybody's getting every, there's all kinds of interpretations that's being just revealed here and tell. But um, you like people arms distance to yourself, a place of solitude, not necessarily want to be bothered, you know. Uh, but, and that seems to be the case of what may have been going on, you know, uh, with Daniel, Daniel's mourning himself. But not only that, there are different times that the Bible it speaks of oil in Psalms and also in the book of Hebrews. It speaks of the oil of gladness speaks of the oil of gladness in both of those because a person that is anointed is then known they're not necessarily going through sorrow, mourning, or death right now because their body is anointed. So they must be glad and not sorrowful. They must be glad and not disheartened. So it's the oil of gladness because if they were dealing with sorrow or mourning or death, then they probably wouldn't have anointed themselves, wouldn't be left to themselves. And so here's Daniel. He's on a fast a partial fast he is in mourning so he isn't in a place where he wants a lot of fellowship i don't necessarily think that whenever i go on a fast i want a lot of fellowship either because sometimes i'm grumpy i'm serious i'm just being honest with you there's sometimes i get grumpy whenever i miss a lot of meals in a row and so uh, you know i still use my deodorant yes if anybody's wondering about this hygiene thing all right but uh, I'm just saying, I don't necessarily want a lot of fellowship either. Amen. But that lack of oil demonstrates then the mourning or the desire to be left alone, the solitude. And according to verse number four, you'll recognize Daniel was doing this during the time, evidently, because the Bible says it was the, the, 20, the four and 20th day of the first month. Remember, the first month for the Jews was the month of Abib or the month, uh, as it was later called, Nisan or Nisan, Nisan, uh, however you wish to say it. Anyway, that was their first month. And so he said this is the 24th, the 24th day or the 4 and 20th day, which is the 24th day, whenever this encounter from the angelic host came. So if you subtract 21 from 24, he probably then started this fast around the third of the month of Abib. Well, in this time frame... The 10th day of Abib was when the lamb was selected for Passover. The 14th day of Abib is whenever they killed the Passover. So Daniel's going through this fasting all this morning and everything during the time of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread that would last for seven weeks. All this has taken place during this time period. And then this visitation happens. At the end of these 21 days, it begins in verse number 5, and he describes uh, this individual that comes, he just basically describes it as a certain man, a certain man he saw. And there is a discussion, as there always is. Everybody's got to discuss something. There's a discussion about whether or not this visitation that he had of a certain man was a theophany, which is God represented himself in human form, or whether it was Jesus Christ that represented himself in human form, or whether it was just an angel. All right, And what many people do, they go then to the book of Revelation and they look at the similarities between Daniel's description here in chapter number 10 and the description that John gave to the Alpha and the Omega, which was Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation. And if we'll go there just to see. In Revelation chapter number 1, whenever John is describing the Alpha and the Omega, starting with verse number 13, he says that in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man clothed with a garment, down to the foot and so they relate that with the John 10 clothed with linen gird about the paps with a golden girl again they relate that with Daniel 10 about being girded with fine gold 
Verse number 14, his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. They relate that back with Daniel 10, where the scripture says his eyes were lamps of fire. Verse 15 in Revelation 1, and his feet like unto brass, again relating to Daniel 10, his feet like in color to polished brass as if they burned in a fire and his voice as the sound of many waters relating back to the description that Daniel seen in in chapter 10 being the voice of a multitude so is this a a theophany is this God uh, represented in human form or what they call Christophany which Jesus Christ uh, represented in a human form and I say all of this okay because as you read later This angel taps him several times and wakes him up and gets him back up and it speaks to Daniel in so many words that he had been fighting against the prince of Persia and that prince he is speaking of is not a literal human being. That prince is a spiritual demonic angel power, the prince of Persia and that he was withstanding this individual and that he had to call in the recruits, had to call in Michael, uh, the archangel if you will, the chief of princes to help. So here's the thing. If this angel is the same angel dealing with Daniel throughout, this angel is not God manifested and it's not a Christophany either because God would not need to call for recruits. All right? There would not be any recruits made. Now, if people still want to say, well, maybe this is something like that, uh, the only thing is there would have to be two different people that have came to Daniel in this chapter. And with that being said, I don't know. It's one of the greatest graces we got in pastoral work. I don't know. I do not know. But I am of the persuasion that it's the same person throughout. Amen. And it just, it just shows a, a description of the might and the power of this angel. If I may just very quickly, I want to lean on M.L. Walls here for a moment and quote from his book. He says, we do not believe that Daniel, what Daniel is witnessing is a vision of the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lord is not as some assume. And I agree an eternal son. People throw around this idea of eternal. He's not an eternal son. He was born and he died. He's not an eternal son. While it is true, Jehovah did appear many times in Old Testament and theophanies. These were not appearances of the Lord Jesus Christ, but rather Jehovah himself appearing in the human form to his people. Bishop M.L. Walls and lightness on that. Nevertheless, Daniel saw what we know according to Scripture, and I'm going to stay right here as close as I can with Scripture. He saw what he described as a certain man. And it seems through the description it did have some type of angelic form. And his involvement was in the spiritual world, so it would seem. And we do not know, we do not know. Some have tried to describe, well, it was Gabriel. The scripture doesn't say it was Gabriel. I'm not going to try to figure out whether it was Gabriel. Some want to say it was Gabriel because it touched him. And in the last chapter, you remember, Gabriel dealt with him and touched him. Well, you tell me angel can't, two different angels can't touch the same person? I don't know, but I'm just saying it isn't necessarily so. It's a certain man that is of some angelic force and angelic power. Amen. So Daniel has this visitation. And I don't know, again, the Bible says there were some people with him by this river. I don't know who those people were, but there were some people with him. But the Bible does say that they did not see what Daniel saw, but they did feel something. And they were afraid. And they went and hid themselves. They didn't see what he saw, but they could feel something. Now, folks, this is just me, but I believe that there is ever a testament to the fact that there can be others right where we are 
and not see or understand everything we see or understand, but they can have undeniably at times felt something. Amen. Even sometimes maybe leaving them a little uneasy about what they felt because they don't understand it. But Daniel is touched by this angelic being. It gives him instruction. And the angel explains and says, Daniel, from the first day, this is, this is the, 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 after the 21st now, you know. Uh, 21 days have elapsed. He said, from the first day, Daniel, that you started fasting and you started praying, your words were heard. In verse number 12, he tells us. In other words, verse number 12 is relaying to you and I that whenever we pray, heaven hears immediately. When you pray, your words are heard immediately. Now, that does not mean that answers can't be withheld. That does not mean that the time for your answer is going to come in the same day. But you can rest with some consolation in knowing that the moment you've uttered the word, heaven has heard what you have spoken and what you have said. And so with this, we have a lesson. Because we go back to Daniel chapter number 9, remember he was praying and the Bible said while he, while he was praying, the angel, the angel interrupted his prayer with an answer. Daniel could get a little upset. Hey, what happened a few years ago? I was praying you interrupted my prayer while I was praying with the answer. And now 21 days have expired and you're coming with an answer. So we got a, a lesson learned today. Prayers are not always answered in the same way, in the same time frame. Amen, under the same conditions. But the, the thread of continuity that we do know is when you pray, the moment it's prayed, it is heard. And so, here's Daniel. He's been praying. He's been fasting for 21 days. And he finally gets an answer. He has this visitation. Amen. And so he's consolated knowing that God heard him. But now there's consolation because he knows that God is here. Amen. He's sent somebody and the answer is going to come amen and so the answer comes and the angel basically tells him hey i would have been here a little sooner but we had some problems going on uh, we had some problems in the spiritual world that was going on the prince of persia withstood me 21 days and it's here i think just as clear as we can see anywhere that there is indeed a spiritual world and a natural world. A lot of people still yet today just want to push off this idea of there being a spiritual world. Think it's a bunch of hoopla, a bunch of baloney. I'm standing here flat-footed as a preacher tonight telling you there is indeed a very real spiritual world just as much as there is a real natural world. And we get a little glimpse into it from this angel that comes to Daniel speaking about the battle that he was contending with in the spiritual world. If you'll remember even the Old Testament story of 2 Kings 6, the Bible says Elisha is there and he has a servant of his and the Bible says that they are camped around Around about all around about them are chariots and horses that are foe and enemies of theirs and the, the, the servants getting a little nervous because everything that he's seeing with his natural eye and you'll remember Elisha gets his servant he prays for him he says oh Lord please open his eyes because he told his servant hey son he said those that be with us are more than those that be with them 
And he said, Lord, open his eyes. And whenever his eyes was open, what did he see? He seen all about then that other host. There were chariots and horses of fire. Amen. What happened? God allowed that servant, amen, to see through the veil from the natural through the supernatural. Amen. And so there was a real supernatural world and there was a real natural world that was occurring at the same time. And so in all of this, we see the raising of kingdoms, the bringing down of kingdoms. We see where we're living today with our natural eye. But just as soon as we see those things with our natural eye, there's things happening in the spirit that our eyes are not seeing. That in a essence mirrors what's going on in the natural world. Amen. And amazingly to me, Daniel's been fasting and praying for 21 days. And the angel was withstood for 21 days. And then he got to come. I don't know. I'm just, just throwing this out of here. What would have happened if Daniel stopped his prayer and his fasting in the 21-day cycle there that he had going on? The 21-day was withstanding the same time that he was praying. Was there any correlation between the two? Was the prayer and the fasting that Daniel was doing in any way connected with the angel coming and getting there? I don't know. But I like to think that our prayers are and they do and are on a spiritual level, if you will. The Bible says Daniel's words were heard the first day and the angelic being came for his words but was withstood for 21 days. Amen. Not a natural prince again, but a spiritual prince. He asked for backup. He asked for Michael, the chief of princes, to come and help him out. Now, in even New Testament scripture, if we're going to talk about the spiritual world just a little bit, Amen. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, the Bible says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of, of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. It's almost as the Apostle Paul, being inspired by the Lord, put his pen down and almost reveals to us that there is a structural or a level of powers in the spirit world, even for angels and demons, if you will. There are those that are principalities and those that are powers and those that are rulers of darkness, others that are spiritual wickedness in high places, the high and, and the high potentates, if you will, of the spiritual world. Paul seems to divide this up, saying that we wrestle against such of these different levels of spiritual powers uh, from day to day. And all that we can say for certain tonight, ladies and gentlemen, is that there is a connection. I believe undoubtedly there is a connection between our prayers and the spiritual realm. Amen. Daniel had no idea. Uh, no intimate knowledge about this until the angel came and revealed it unto him. But again, all the time he was mourning, all the time he was fasting, those 21 days of praying, this angel had been withstood while Daniel was going to work on his knees and through his life of, uh, of giving himself unto the Lord through fasting and prayer. Amen. That is in essence, in Ephesians 6.12, that is in essence what wrestling is all about. Prayer is wrestling. Mm -hmm. prayer is wrestling prayer, is fast, uh, prayer and fasting are wrestling you've heard me say before a spiritual foe requires spiritual weapons the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse number 3 he says for we walk in the flesh for though we walk in the flesh we do not war after the flesh for the weapons everybody say weapons of our warfare are not what? carnal so if they're not carnal what are they they're spiritual but mighty through god 
to the pulling down of strongholds. Again, a spiritual foe. We see the evil in the world, but there's a spirit behind all that. Remember, back we talked about a long time ago, the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work in the world today. A spiritual foe, we need spiritual weapons. We need the prayer, the fasting. We need those times that set aside for the Lord. Amen. Because we got to fight spiritual battles, not by carnal means, but by spiritual means. Remember again, well, I know we, it seems like this story's popped up uh, over the past several weeks in Matthew chapter number 17. The man that had his lunatic son that sometimes threw himself in the fire and sometimes in the water foamed seemingly at the mouth. The Bible says that he asked of Jesus' disciples to take care of this, uh, but they could not. And the Bible says then he came to Jesus. And in verse number 18, Matthew 17, 18, and Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples in verse 19 to Jesus apart and said, why could not we cast him out? And in verse 20, his, his speech was this, Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. The disciples were dealing with a spiritual battle and it required a spiritual weapon, not a carnal weapon, required a spiritual weapon in order to take care of this. So prayer and fasting are weapons, spiritual weapons, amen, for the spiritual world that is unseen. But they, those weapons, prayer and fasting, just as real as the nose on our faces here tonight, folks. Amen. Just as real the nose is on our faces. And so here, though, is the quandary. Listen to me well. Here's the quandary. We understand from Scripture that as we draw near to the end of time, that the intensity of the spiritual struggles, spiritual battles, wrestling matches, if you will, are going to increase as we get closer to the end of time. You know what that tells me as a believer, as a pastor, in order to match the increase of the spiritual wrestling and struggles as we get closer to the end, you know what we got to be doing? Using our spiritual weapons more and increase them more. That doesn't mean that we grow backward in prayer, backward in fasting. No, it means we increase the intensity. Why? We got to intensify the weapon for the battle that's intensifying in the spiritual world. And it's not going to get lighter, Sister Nadine. It's going to get more and more intense. And lo and behold, if, if the spiritual world would catch the church pardon me on podcast with our pants around our ankles slacking in our spiritual weapons when this thing's getting worse in the spiritual realm if it's going to get worse we got to get better in the spiritual world amen the Bible says in Revelations 12, 12, Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Well, he's in great wrath. He's pulling out all the stops. He's not taking no for an answer. He's doing everything that can be done. He's sending the principalities, the powers, the rulers of darkness, spiritual weakness in high places of all forms. Nobody's staying home. Nobody's getting a day off in hell they are sending them out and so the church got to rise and meet the competition and use the spiritual warfare of prayer and fasting and supplication and thanksgiving unto God it won't happen by carnal means it must happen by spiritual means 
And so if we just get in our world and say, well, well, the world is awful evil. There's a lot of bad stuff going on. Isn't this horrible what's taking place? Honey, if that's taking place in the natural, it's taking place in being mirrored in the spiritual. That means wake up, almighty church. Don't sleep. Get involved in the spiritual aspects of warfare. Amen. Amen. Perhaps that's why in the New Testament, time and time again, the apostle was telling those churches, it's high time for you to wake out of your sleep. What did he say? For near is your salvation than when you first believed. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Why? He said, because the wrath's coming. He's pulling out all the stops. He's not going to care what takes place. He's going to do a deed. And it's more than just, boy, there's a lot of evil coming upon the world. It's being mirrored in the spiritual world. But it's not going to be contended with. By now I lay me down to sleep. Be contended with by fervent, urgent prayer and fasting. Jesus said, they said, why couldn't we handle this spiritual thing? You cast out the devil. Why couldn't we handle the spiritual thing? He said, don't happen except by prayer and fasting. What? Spiritual weapons for a spiritual battle. Amen. So the spiritual struggle, it's going to worsen. So that success for then the living during such a time will be, in, be increasing our spiritual weapons. And prayer and fasting are hard things to implement and maintain. I'll just raise my hand. Prayer and fasting are hard things to implement and more importantly, maintain they're not too bad to start but they're hard to keep up they're hard to maintain why do you think so because that's how we wrestle that's how we deal with the struggle in the spiritual world that's how we deal with spiritual battles so if he can cause you to take your spiritual weapons and shelve them ignore them not maintain them, who has the upper hand in the spiritual battle then? The Bible says, the Apostle in Romans 15 and verse 30, <clears throat> he says, Now I beseech you, brethren, look what he says, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit. He says that ye strive, that word strive is important, that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. He says that you strive, you know, Prayer is hard work. It's agonizing work. It's striving. It's wrestling. The Bible says in Daniel 10, in verse 14, the angel said, Now I am come to make thee understand that, stand, understand what shall befall thy people. Here it is again. The line is being drawn to the segment of the world that this is about, Daniel's people, the Jews, all right? shall befall thy people, the Jews, in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. And so Daniel, the angel is sharing things interspersed here, and it's kind of like a, he starts to say something, has to pause, because he's got to pick Daniel back up off the ground, you know, pick this 90-year-old man off the ground that's overwhelmed and having difficulty with the idea of the Jews trying to reestablish a temple and those that stayed and stayed back home and didn't go to Jerusalem has this experience that he's dealing with. He just came off a 21-day fast, so you understand some, well, I don't think we've ever take, taken a 21-day fast around here, but what I'm saying is you could only understand the weakness that he would have had 
or, 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 or the, 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 the prey and the agony that he has done in prayer. So he has all this stuff. He's dealing with the spiritual realm that's just entered his life. And now he's being shared with about some more things about the end of time. And so he falls down. The angel picks him up. He falls down. He can't even talk. The angel touches lips and allows them him to talk. So he goes through a lot of different episodes here. And the angel strengthens him again, enables him to talk, and he demands his attention. And the angel lets Daniel know that after he shares these things with him, he says, Daniel, I'm going to share this vision with you, but then whenever that's done, I'm going to return and I'm going to fight the prince of Persia. I'm going back to spiritual warfare. I'm going back to a spiritual battle. I'm going to fight the prince of Persia. And the angel basically tells Daniel, no sooner will that fight be over that there's going to be another prince that comes. The prince of Grisha is going to come and we're going to fight. Now, this is very important. He's been withstood by this prince of Persia for 21 days. He just comes to talk to Daniel, and then he's going back to war. Scripture bears it out well, even with Jesus Christ of Luke 4.13, that after his testing in the wilderness, that whenever the devil had ended all the temptations in Luke 4.13, he, the devil, departed from him for what? A season. Even after the devil stopped testing Jesus, it was only for a moment. It was only for a season. In other words, for you and I, we understand this then. Don't lay down your weapons and store them in the closet because it's not over till it's really over. It's not over. And so he says, I'm coming to talk to you, but war's on pause over there. I'm going back, and whenever I go back, man, I've got my shield. You know, I got, I got everything ready. I'm going back to spiritual warfare. Now, this is, this is important because these two princes that this angel has fought with, the prince of Persia and the prince of Grecia, are in succession here. He says after the prince of Persia, it's going to be the prince of Grecia. And the reason why this is important, because this endorses, this just validates everything that Daniel has already seen leading up to this point. This validates the visions in chapter 2 of Daniel, chapter 7 of Daniel, and chapter 8 of Daniel. They had the succession of these kingdoms being the Medo-Persian kingdom, and after it, what? The kingdom of Greece. And now from the spiritual world, there is validation that I'm fighting with the king of Persia right now, that who is in rule and command. He said, but it's going to go off the, it's going to go off the, 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 the scene, and there's going to be the prince of Greece that I'm going to fight with next. Do you understand how that probably, you know, that was probably a really good time just for that moment for Daniel. Oh, this is exactly as God described it, although it was through a different means of a vision. This is exactly how God described it. I got validation from the spiritual world that after, after this prince of Persia, amen, is going to come then, uh, they're going to be fighting with the prince of Greece. Why? Because Greece is going to be in power then. And so we see these people. There, there's more than coming along the trail was more than just a king or a kingdom. It was the spiritual prince behind the king and the spiritual prince that was behind the kingdom. Amen. We, again, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. It seems like that. It's hard to separate the flesh and the blood from the spiritual. <whistles> Boy, is it ever. We would lasso some of them back on the cross, wouldn't we? The flesh and blood. But the spiritual still lives. <laughs> Just an idea about that not happening. I was reading some of John MacArthur, and he said, there, he said, I'll never forget meeting a young man who came out of the occult who had been involved in the Mark Age Society, which is a very advanced part of the occult. He said, he told me 
said he told me they told him this occult that he was part of all about Satan's network how he operates from space and assigns demons to certain institutions he says in fact he said I know the names of people in the United Nations who are demon possessed in whom well dwell demons who control the working of Satan in the United Nations it's more than just evil on the natural ground it's a spiritual power amen Maybe we can't tangibly see with our eyes. Amen. That's happening. And the only reason why I included that and it seemed of interest because we talked a little bit about the United Nations and how they could possibly be that time of the ten kings, the ten horns that will come a part of the revived Roman Empire in the last days. In chapter number 11, verse number 1, and I'll get to this and I'll come to a close. In verse number one, it says, also in the first year of Darius the Mede, even I stood to confirm and to strengthen him. This is still the angel that was talking to Daniel, continuing to talk on over into verse number one right here. And he says, he says also I in the first year of Darius the Mede, he says, I'm here and it's the third year of the reign of Cyrus. He says, I was there in the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede and I stood there and I confirmed him and I strengthened him. Why was the angel there to confirm and strengthen Darius the Mede? You remember he was the ruler over the Medes and Persians. After they were overtaken, Cyrus overtook him, but he did it in the name of Darius, his relative, the Mede. He said, why would, would the angel be there to strengthen and confirm him? He did this because it would bring about what was prophesied. Thus and so. It'd bring about what was prophesied. Strengthen and help the Mede to get control because that's what exactly was prophesied. And later on, he's going to strengthen then and there's going to come Greece and he's going to come in and he's going to fight. It's kind of weird really how it all goes, the spiritual world. He's going to help the Medes get control and then later he's going to fight against them for Greece to get control. And then he's going to help Greece get control but then fight against them for the Romans. Why? It's all according so things will be just exactly as God said they would be to help the fulfillment of prophecy. The Bible says the angels are ministering spirits. Amen. For those who are to inherit salvation. That's you and I. They help. They come down and minister and they bring about these things just as God said they would. They are his hands and feet. He sends them out. Amen. They're under his power, under his authority. And the Bible says that later he will, he will we understand then that he'll, he's fighting. The angel of Persia withstood him then for 21 days. There's a changing of the guard happening. Amen. Because Greece, the Grecian Empire is going to be taking control and the prince of Greece is going to be there and his king, their king and their kingdom is going to take a place. And so it's just this on and off rising and falling but there's something as you see it again and I can't emphasize this enough tonight you know the saying has been and I kind of use it as my subject title tonight what you don't know can't hurt you you know just be oblivious don't worry about anything what you don't know can't hurt you baloney what we see going on in our world right now let me tell you there's some things that we don't know about that's happening in the spiritual world that's mirroring this and we need to understand that and take knowledge of that and understand that what we do on earth does impact the heavenlies and what takes place in the heavenlies. If you'll stand with me tonight. That is- Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.